Okay, I don't want you laughing in the background of the intro. You okay? Yeah, you just. <laughs> I just thought it was Sudden a funny. Swerve. I, it I thought it was funny, a funny time to start, but I was not prepared, okay. so I got caught by the joke. I loved it. <sighs> All right, <laughs> but I'm a constant. I'm a consummate professional, so I held my laughter, you know. My name is Aaron. Welcome to another episode of How to Love the Dark, a podcast where I walk my wife, my wife and one of my good friends down the long, shadowy path to horror cinema obsession as I try to take them from novices in the macabre <laughs> to bloodbath experts one film at a time. This week we watched Friday the 13th, directed by Sean S. Cunningham in 1980. But before we get into that, let me introduce my co-hosts. First up. To my left, my wonderful wife, Anna. Always to the left. Anna, how are, how are you? <laughs> to the left. <laughs> well, do you want us to reverse seats one of these times? Never through the magic of the internet first. Always to the left. I'm sorry. I count. She's, I count, Aaron. She's just right here. Okay, I'm You're going to be accused of playing favorites. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron. Can't do that. Okay. I'll, I'll... You gotta love all your hosts equally. Okay, next week I'll go to Torin <laughs> first. Mark my words. Yeah. But right now, how are you doing? A little bitey. Yeah, you bit me. Whoa. When I was putting my hand in your face because you, you were your hand in my me. face. Whoa. It's um, that kind of podcast, everybody. <laughs> and and coming to us from through the magic of the internet from across the city of Seattle is our friend Torin. Torin, how are you? I'm all out of faith. This is how I feel. <laughs> I'm cold and I'm ashamed. Lying naked on the floor. Illusion never changed. Into, into something, something real. real. I'm wide awake <laughs> and I can see the perfect sky is torn. <laughs> You're a little late. I'm already torn. I'm doing well. Uh, wonderful. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that intro. Yeah. Now everyone that hears that will only ever hear my name when they hear that song. You're welcome. I am. Um, so we're starting a new franchise. Franchise, franchise. We got 12 movies in this one. And we'll finally be able to actually close the book on Freddy even by the end of it because now we'll be able to watch Freddy versus Jason. Wait, is there a Freddy versus the Leprechaun? There's not a Freddy versus oh, the Leprechaun. Shame. There was going to be, uh, they wanted to make a Candyman versus the Leprechaun, but Tony Todd basically said, no, that'd be a stupid idea and <laughs> refused to nah, do it. No, nah, man, that's stupid. I love Tony Todd. <laughs> yeah, he, he was right. That would be a stupid idea, and uh, I'm glad they didn't do it. But uh, quick content warnings for snakes, uh, animal, nope, just snakes, uh, animal death, and this is unfortunately a real snake death on film, so it's kind of a bummer. Uh, Drowning, blood, gore, nudity, and sex. But as always, we will not catch every content sensitivity, so if you have certain triggers or sensitivities that you think might come up, what should they do, Torin? Do your dang homework. Exactly. Keeping that one right down the middle this time. <laughs> uh, for the cast of this movie, we have Adrian King as Alice, who is our final girl. We have Janine Taylor as Marcy, Robbie Morgan as Annie, Kevin Bacon as Jack, Damn. Harry Crosby as Bill. This uh, this is Kevin Bacon's like first major film role, just to cover that. Uh, Lori Bartram as Brenda. Mark Nelson as Ned, 
Peter Brower as their boss, Steve Christie, Walt Gorney as Crazy Ralph, and Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Voorhees. Well, where's Jason? Um, well, he's in the water. No, I liked as Sam the Brenda better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about Jason and stuff at the end here, but, uh, so we're going to go through the plot of this movie. I have a special fun activity we're going to do in the middle of it because this movie is a little plot light. Yeah. As are most of the Friday the 13th films (laughs) we're going to discover. Uh, Oh, I like the show notes. Insert fun activity here. Yep. <laughs> it's a surprise. Feel free to interrupt. I'll try to pause for you guys to, to interrupt regularly. Oh, you know it, baby. So, our movie starts in 1958, where two counselors at Camp Crystal Lake are sneaking away from a sing-along to have sex. Uh, we see them get killed, though, and we see it from the assailant's point of view. Uh, We then cut to current day, which is Friday, June 13th, 1979, where Annie Phillips is trying to get to her new job as the cook of the reopened Camp Crystal Lake. Um, She's accosted by the local Harbinger, referencing the term uh, used for this type of character back in Cabin in the Woods, whose name is Ralph or Crazy Ralph, depending on which version of the credits you see. Um, He lets them know that it's got a death curse. And he talks like the narrator of the Monster Mash for some reason. (laughs) He's Uh, delightfully kooky. Yeah. Yeah. I I like uh, Ralph, but his line reads are bizarre. (laughs) Um, And uh, basically tells her that uh, they're all going to die. We'll see him once more later in the film. I don't think I I talk about it, but he comes. He shows up at the camp later to again be like, "You're all dead." Yeah, he just kind of stomps through. Yeah, and then rides his bike into the woods. Yeah. So after after Ralph uh, dies, there she catches a ride with Enos, who is a truck driver, and finds out uh, the history of the camp uh, as they're riding towards it. That a boy drowned there in 1957, and then a year later, two young counselors were murdered. Murder. Uh, which is the murder we saw at the start of the film. She hitches a ride with another person who we don't see, uh, but this person doesn't stop at the camp and keeps driving away. Annie starts to panic and eventually escapes the vehicle, but the killer chases her into the woods. And again, from the killer's point of view, we see uh, Annie's throat get slashed open with a knife um, in, a, I think, a pretty decent effect for the time. Yeah. yeah. Man, it's. I will say, and I'll probably say this again, this movie is really set the standard for so many of these movies that it uh-huh. feels like I've seen this movie before. And it's so ingrained in pop culture through so many references. Having never seen this movie, I was like, man, I feel like I've seen this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Especially given, like you said, too, it's really plot light. So there's not like a whole, whole lot to follow. So it just like feels it just if you know anything about slasher films, it just feels like a big deja vu trip. Yeah. And and what would slasher films be without more bodies to pile up? So we see three other counselors, Ned, Jack, and Marcy, all arriving in the camp and at the camp in Ned's truck. More victims. At the camp, we also meet Bill, Brenda, and then Alice, uh, our final girl, who are all working on the cabins at the behest of their boss, Steve Christie. Uh, We learn a bit more about the various counselors as they work on the camp. We see Steve kind of hit on Alice. She seems uncomfortable about it. Uh, she talks about kind of wanting to leave, but they strike up a deal that he'll she'll like finish out the following week. Yeah. 
Um, we see Ned flirt with Brenda and then almost kill her with a bow and arrow, but haha, it's so funny. It, it was a joke. <laughs> it was You're a joke. almost that's well, it's just a joke. Ned uh, sucks. Yeah. Um, Tom Savini was the one who fired that arrow because apparently he's like good at archery and could do Didn't it. Didn't you without... say he was on a bunch of cocaine? Yeah. Being on, I mean, probably it's the eighties. I like to blame the reports that Tom Savini was kind of a dick bag back in this day on drug use, which he, I, I don't know if he's ever Honestly, been like, yeah, I, I was like on drugs. Cocaine would probably help you with archery, help you focus. Yeah. Get to get you to line up that shot. Yeah. Uh, it, people who do cocaine are good at lining things up. Yeah, it's part of the. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would rather trust someone on cocaine than than any other substance to shoot an arrow at me. Yeah, uh, a thunderstorm approaches the camp. Steve has to leave for supplies, while the other camp counselors kind of settle in for the night. But before they do that, uh, a cop, a motorcycle cop, shows up, like berates them a little bit, and then has a hard time turning around and leaving. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a weird scene. Victor Miller didn't put it in his original script, and it's the one part of the movie he hates, the screenwriter hates. And <laughs> uh, I agree with him. It's weird. It's <laughs> dumb. I mean, this part of the movie is really just everyone is busy doing nothing. Yeah. There's there's some outstanding examples of people pretending to work for the camera in this movie. Like, yeah. During when when you first meet Steve and Alice, she hammers a nail into a gutter, but she very clearly absolutely fails at actually doing that. So I, I joked as we were watching, yeah. like, there must be a production assistant off screen just holding that gutter up because there's yeah. no way she actually nailed it up there when we saw her do it. And there's no way just one nail is holding that long a length yeah. up it was, by itself. <laughs> It's reliably it, 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 everywhere. If you just watch the way people are working, you're like, that person didn't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't help any, any problem. That was not, uh, Alice tries to close a jar once and clearly can't close it on screen. <laughs> so she just like sets just... it down. It's clearly still open. It's like funny. massively. The yeah. lid's not even pretending to be on. Um, okay. Here, before we get to the murdering, we're, gonna do for the first time this series and if it's funny maybe we'll do it every time we're gonna play smash or pass oh, with God. our main <laughs> cast <laughs> with the various characters because uh they don't have a lot to them yeah. and so i like having to choose smash or pass as a very surface level uh you know, just scanning of the what little we know about them. And we're going to start with the character we probably know the most about, which is Alice. So, Anna and Torrin, I must ask you, Alice, smash or pass? Uh, smash. Smash. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm trying Matt, to find a picture of all the cast members. Oh, together. yeah, I'm pulling up IMDb. I should have put one in the... You should have put pictures I should have put in. a group picture. I'm sorry. I think I found one... Um, okay, so Alice is a double smash. Nice. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Marcy. This is Kevin Bacon character's girlfriend. Is she? Smash. I'm, and I'm a dum dum. I had a hard time remembering these people are so kind of like they were so not shallow because like they weren't necessarily shallow, but they have so little to them. I had a hard time keeping them all straight. Yeah. Is Marcy? She's the she... brunette, or like the, or like the, the more brown hair, or. Mid-length or the yeah, more she blonde has, hair mid-length? She has more brown hair. She's the one who tells the story about her dream with where it's raining blood and stuff 
outside. She um, makes out with Kevin Bacon. And then, yeah, and then she makes out with Kevin Bacon. Uh, That's pretty much all you get to know about her. Yeah. Smash. I like her nose. All right. Another double smash. Wow. I mean, all these characters are, are fairly attractive. <laughs> uh, Robbie Morgan. Annie. The talkative cook who dies first. Oh, definitely smash. Oh, yeah, smash. I feel bad for Annie. Me too. She seems pretty great. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> she's the most likable character in the movie, in the whole movie. And she, her whole thing is she just wants to cook for kids. She's like, if you had a dream like mine, you'll do anything to make them. Like, your dream is to cook at a summer camp for kids? Wow. Well, cool. Like, way to attain that. Uh, next up, we have Jack. Uh, Kevin Bacon's character. Oh, smash. That, and that olive tank top. I pass because Kevin Bacon has always scared me. Kevin Bacon scares you? Yeah. It's fair. Uh, that scene where he puts on the olive tank top, I was like, damn. According to the IMDb trivia, and I don't know how they know this, Kevin Bacon shaved his armpits for this role because he was going to have to show them during That's kind the of sex adorable. scene. That's <laughs> uh, All right, so we have- I feel like he's got to be a super nice guy. Uh-huh. But ever since I can remember, he's always been scary to me. That's fair. I don't know why. That's okay. He looks like he's got kind of an intense face, especially when yeah. he's yeah. gotten older. True. But yeah, this is specifically the green tank top scene, like where he's lying in bed that did it for me. Mm. I was like, damn, it's a good look. All right. So, so that's a, a, a right now, four straight smashes for Torn on his first oh, pass with Jack. Aaron, I'm a slut. Like, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> Next, we have Harry Crosby as Bill, who's a, a guy in this movie. He uh, sure is. A pass. That is a pass. <laughs> yeah. He seems kind of like a dull. If he had a personality, maybe, but I don't know. Played like, by Bing Crosby's son. He, Bing Crosby's son, and he really played the guitar. Yeah. He seems super straight. Yeah. 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 Fair. He does. Okay. Uh, <laughs> is this a double pass then? Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have Brenda, the girl who introduces the concept of strip monopoly. Oh. Um, I think right. I'm going to get a pass from her, mm. mostly because people that are, like, super forward about that kind of stuff sometimes, like, psych me out. Oh, okay. Anna? And she was the super forward one, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I didn't love her, so I'm going to also pass. Um, all right, we're getting close to We only have a couple more. Uh, so next up, we have Mark Nelson as Ned. Do we have a kill option? Is he the one that wears the suspenders? He, Yeah, he is the one that does the offensive Native American uh, impersonation, <laughs> impersonation, impersonation. With, with a headdress. Uh, yeah. It's very cringe. I don't think I think Steve Christie is the one wearing the suspenders. I don't know if Ned has suspenders too, but Ned all yeah, Ned also has suspenders. Steve is the one who has suspenders on his jorts. And that's it. He's just wearing like shorts with suspenders, no shirt. Yeah. Yeah. But Ned Ned is the annoying one. Yeah, pass on Ned. Yeah. Okay. I would like to kill Ned. Kill Ned? Yeah. It's not fuck Mary kill. It's smash. It is pass. now. <laughs> okay. It is now because we're killing Ned. What was the the character opposite Ned? The suspenders. Oh, uh, I I think that that is Steve who has the suspenders with no shirt on. Yeah, that's Steve who we're doing next. The, la the last of the main cast, the oldest, uh, who creepily touches Alice's face. Mm -hmm. Where are we at? Smash or pass? God, that's pass. 
that's the thing is that if he wasn't a creep, it'd be a it'd be a smash. But yeah, he, he does seem like a creep. But I have to factor in his like how he treats people. Yeah. And then uh And I, I got put, these I got these guys confused. I was not thinking of Steve Christie. I was thinking one of the, the counselors. Oh, okay. Well, last one. Crazy Ralph. Smash or pass. You know pass. you didn't put in the Mrs. Voorhees? No, 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 not Mrs. Voorhees. You didn't put in that fucking MILF. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't answer the question. Smash or pass crazy Ralph Torrent. Pass. Okay. <laughs> All right. The, now we know more about the characters through our fun game. No, well, smash your pass, Mrs. Voorhees, Aaron. Uh, smash out of respect to Bess, Betsy Palmer. I feel weird now. Oh, what's your opinion there, Anna? Are you pass? I, I would pass. Uh-huh. I mean, Betsy Palmer might be a smash. But You went into that sweater? As long as she Ms. doesn't... Voorhees... As long as she doesn't use that weird kid voice she does during the act, then I'm okay. that's fucking terrible. (laughs) All right, back to the plot. Uh, Okay, so Ned sees someone going into one of the cabins and follows them. Bill, Brenda, and Alice begin to play Strip Monopoly. It's very weird because Brenda's like, do you ever play Monopoly? And Alice seems like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. She's like, you'll like this version. It's Strip Monopoly, as though that has ever helped convince someone to play a game they didn't want to play. Yeah. Um, it's very weird. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Marcy and Jack go to have sex in one of the bunks. Oh, yeah. The camera shows us that Ned's body was on the bunk above them while they were doing it, and his throat has been slit. And they should definitely have been able to see him. Yeah. Marsha somehow gets up without seeing it and goes to hit the showers. And then Jack is stabbed through the back of the neck with an arrow from beneath the bed. And he dies. This is probably this movie's most infamous kill. But it also means that Mrs. Voorhees was underneath that bed. Wow, spoil it. The whole time. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Mrs. Voorhees be a freak. Miss Voorhees wants to watch, you know? Like, she staged the body Actually, there. I, the fact that they've never seen Ned shows they're pretty unaware. She could have probably crawled under the bed <laughs> while it was happening no, in the middle. No, Miss Voorhees is that nasty, nasty. <laughs> um, this kill's pretty cool. Like, goes through the back of Zach, he, like... The blood spurts out, and I I know that they did it by having somebody, like, literally with a straw, like, blowing the blood through it, which is why it kind of spurts in weird things. And it clearly, like, goes onto Kevin Bacon's face in a way he wasn't expecting, because he, like, is like... (laughs) Yeah, like, Uh, flinches pretty bad. Yeah, but I love it. It it works, honestly. Um... Marsha goes to the shower. She thinks someone's in there for a moment. And then she is like, oh, I'm just seeing things. And I'm just hearing things. And then she gets murdered with an axe to the face. face. Uh, In another pretty good Tom Savini effect. Uh, Brenda decides to head to bed when she hears a little boy's voice call out to her. She follows it to the archery range. The lights turn on. And then we cut away and we hear Brenda scream. Alice and Bill are worried, so they leave the main cabin to investigate. Uh, They kind of do a tour of the camp. They find the bloody axe in Brenda's bed. They discover that the phones have been cut and that Ned's truck won't start. We see... I like the way they film showing you that the phone line has been cut. Oh, yeah. It's a cool shot because they're inside the cabin, but the camera is outside the cabin and it pans along the cord. It's a POV shot. Yeah. 
and we see it cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But first, we see them kind of panic about the phone, mm-hmm. but you can't hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And then the camera pans over to show us the line's been cut. Nope. I don't know. It's just, it, I thought that was cute. It is a great shot. Uh, we see Steve at a diner in town where the waitress is flirting with him. Uh, he heads back to the camp, but his car won't start, so he gets a ride with a local sheriff who has to drop him off nearby. And then as he's walking in, he runs into somebody that he recognizes, uh, and then that person stabs him to death. Um, a lot of the kills that are in first person are very funny because you don't see anything necessarily. You just see the camera move right into their face as they go like, oh, like yeah. make a scared reaction to that indicates they've been stabbed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very, it's a very unique uh, perspective and take on like the the unidentified killer. But I think we quickly learn that it doesn't work, which is why it hasn't really been copied that much. Well, it's taken from Giallo films. Giallo films do a lot of yeah. these shots from the killer's POV, where you can only like see their gloves or their weapon. Um, it's well, we've only watched one Giallo film. <laughs> for the show there's a whole world of giallo um, a whole new world <laughs> yes um, alright the power goes out at the camp uh, Bill goes to check the generator Alice eventually heads out to look for him after you know several moments and being unable to close a jar <laughs> and finds his body pinned to the generator room door with arrows she screams and flees uh, back to the main cabin, but Brenda's dead body is thrown through the window, which I would love to know how Mrs. Voorhees did that. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think she, like, rigged up a, a police system outside to, like, <laughs> make this work. Um, as Alice runs out of the cabin, she sees a vehicle pull up and rushes outside thinking that Steve has returned. Instead, she is greeted by an older woman who says she's Mrs. Voorhees and that she's a friend of the Christie's. Um, It quickly becomes clear that Mrs. Voorhees isn't all there, as she tells the story about her son Jason, who drowned in 1957 because of the neglectful counselors having sex instead of supervising him. Uh, she attacks Alice multiple times. Alice keeps getting away. One of the times that she gets away, Steve's body just happens to fall down from above her in a, with perfect timing. So I don't know how Mrs. Voorhees did that, but it's pretty impressive that she knew how to balance it just right. I mean, she home alone to those woods with bodies. Yeah, that's true. So uh, Alice manages to get the upper hand each time. She hits her with a frying pan once and kind of knocks her down. She hits her with a fire poker, a fireplace poker. She never double taps. So obviously the killer keeps chasing her. Um, she they Eventually, they end up on the beach. She tries to get Alice with a machete, but Alice uh, gets the weapon away from her and then decapitates Mrs. Voorhees with it. Uh, in a really great scene, because I love the shot of the headless body with hands that are very clearly a man's hands. They're like a hairy dude's hands <laughs> in the <laughs> foreground of uh, pretending to be headless Mrs. Voorhees. Uh, she gets Alice gets into a canoe and floats out onto the lake exhausted. But just as she is calming down, Jason's decomposing. Oh, she wakes up. What? No, not yet. 
Yeah. Oh, she falls. She passes out in the canoe. Yes. Then she wakes back up in the middle of the lake as the cops are arriving. Yeah. And then Jason's decomposing body leaps out of the lake and drags her into the water. But just then she awakens in the hospital surrounded by police and medical staff. Uh, they, she asks about Jason, and the policemen say there was no sign of any boy. To which she responds, "Then he's still out there." As uh, he looks, she looks into the middle distance. Yeah. We cut to the lake for a moment and see ripples on the surface of the water, and then the movie ends. Bum bum bum. First up, Torrent. Yeah. What are your general thoughts on this movie? Um. I guess I was expecting more because of how big this movie is culturally, uh-huh. which I think I had the same issue with 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 uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, mm-hmm. but even more so because, like you said, it's just like it's all very um, everything's just set up very like flimsily, which is not a bad thing, but it's all set up as a vehicle for like the kills and stuff, you know, and like the being chased around camp um yeah and like i said earlier i just felt like i've seen this movie before like between some of the kills the generator scene like her stacking all the furniture up against the door and like sobbing like oh man i forgot about that part like so much of this movie (laughs) has been um aped and you know done as a satire that i feel like in a lot of ways i've seen it yeah, that's mm-hmm. fair. Um, I I just I quickly want to go back to that scene real quick because she closes the door and then she ties a rope to the roof and to the door in a way that it would only hold the door shut if the door opened outwards. But then she stacks a bunch of things against the door, which would only those things would only work if the door opens inward. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, she's hedging her bets, you know. She didn't remember which way the door opened. And then, I mean, on her way in. On her way in. I, I feel guess. like I feel like it's totally plausible if you're that fucking distraught to just be like, I don't, I can't remember how door work. Yeah, yeah, I've been that's there. True. Yeah, my mind blanks pretty easily. Please don't attack me. Okay, you can continue with whatever you were saying. I just wanted to cover that oh, scene because uh, I thought it was so funny. Yeah, it was really Also, funny. was not expecting, because um, I, I went into this having, even though I just said, I feel like I've seen this movie before, one thing I didn't know is that I didn't know that there's no Jason Voorhees. Oh, interesting. I That it is his mom. I didn't know that. Um, which is like, I guess, a cool rift on like a Psycho. Yeah, I think, I think, I think they're referencing Psycho. Uh, the score really references Psycho, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, where uh, yeah, where's uh, the ho- where's the hockey mask come into play? Where's like the big torn? What if I told you the hockey mask doesn't show up until three? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Wait, so the big man in the blue like automotive like jumpsuit doesn't show up to the third movie. Well, that character shows up in the second movie, but he does not get a hockey mask until yeah, the third got a, movie. He's got a different face situation. Wait, yeah. do you see his in the face? Next one. Well, I I do think you do see his face, For but he bit. mainly has a different sort of mask. Yeah. In the second one, which oh. will be you know, so. Do you see like where's um, mom's face or something? No, no, nothing that cool. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, it's kind of ridiculous when you when you see it. 
this this franchise is now taking an immediate turn oh this franchise fucking goes places (laughs) (laughs) heard it goes to space it does go to space and i i some people think that sucks i think it fucking rules when it goes to space i love that movie uh so we'll i'm excited to do this one i overall i am i am a freddy fan first followed by jason followed by michael myers as, as far as the big three slashers go but i the one thing I like about uh, Friday the 13th is, like, it's very... It, there's only one movie in the whole franchise that I think is truly, like, uh, like grown-worthy bad. Um, everything else is at least pretty watchable. Um, Anna, what did you think of this movie? Um, I liked it. I didn't remember as much of this movie as I thought I did. Uh-huh. Um, I'd completely forgotten that Kevin Bacon was in this movie and just in general, how we got to the end. Pretty much all I remembered was the end. Mm. Um, It's a fun movie. It's not a mind blowing movie. It's fun. Yeah. You know, like I said, it goes places. It, the, this, this franchise does take a little bit to go full crazy, you know, like full insane balls to the wall as it eventually does, but it'll get there pretty quick. Um, I'm excited to watch them again. I haven't watched them in a in a few years at least. So, yeah, I think it'll be a good time. Uh, all right, the next thing I want to talk about is, do you guys have experiences with summer camp? Um, I never... I went to a Boy Scout summer camp that wasn't overnight that mm. I remember. Was it overnight? I don't think it was. No, it wasn't overnight. I When I was I went to a private school, kindergarten through sixth grade, and fifth and sixth uh-huh. grade, we went to a, I want to say it was like one to two days or like maybe it was three days in total, but it was like a, a camp for like three days, uh-huh. but I had fun. I remember that being a positive experience. It was not scary. I, so I didn't like, I, I learned to swim accidentally. I've always been afraid of the water. Um, mm. so I, like, I, I learned, I hate canoes the first year I went and I was like, I'm never touching a canoe again. Canoes are oh no a crazy form of transportation. I respect everybody that knows how to use them. Um, but for me, I just like, it's too rocky. Yeah. Um, but I learned how to ride a horse and I'm good at riding horses. So that was my camp experience. Anna, how about you? Uh, kind of similarly, never went to summer camp um, or anything like that. Did do one Girl Scout weekend trip. Okay. All I remember about is that just literally everything that could in our cabin broke. Nice. And there was a snake. Which wow. was not killed with a machete. No. I'm terrified of summer camp. I don't know if that's because I watched this movie when I was like eight years old. Uh, and it scared me about summer camp, or if I was scared about summer camp and this movie resonated with me afterwards. I don't really remember Did the you order of operations camp? there. Nope. The only time I've gone to a summer camp was a Wizards of the Coast Dungeons and Dragons summer camp when I was like 13. Uh, and it was at the Wizards, uh, the little arcade restaurant thing they used to have. Um, and it was awesome, but it wasn't really like this because we just stayed in like bunk beds in the 
wizard's compound. Mm. Uh, and that was pretty fun. Um, yeah, so I was just curious if anyone found camp scary, because I find camp scary. Uh, camp makes you think of spaghetti and butterscotch pie and riding horses and singing church songs around a fire. Which we, we do see that in this movie. Makes me think of spiders. <laughs> spiders. There's just spiders everywhere. My horse's name was uh, Shadrach. Nice. Nice. Was there also uh, two other horses, you know? I can't remember the if there was any Shack and Abednego. I just remember my horse was Shadrach. I was like, I, both years, me and Shadrach were tight. <laughs> um, we already mentioned that the score to this movie is very much uh, an homage to Psycho, but it is very famous for starting something that horror movies, other horror movies ape, but is is most associated with this franchise, which is that Harry Manfredini, the guy who did the score, uh, does these vocalizations during like the silent times where people people do all sorts of them, but the ones in the movie are actually um, and that's like what echoes when it's like quiet and someone's like looking for where the killer is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people always do like yeah. Well, yeah, ki 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 ma 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 is the actual phonetics of the thing. Uh, um, I don't know if we've covered a movie that Tom Savini did the makeup for before, but uh, he's largely kind of the godfather of horror, you know, gore makeup and stuff. Yeah. Um, he did Dawn of the Dead before he did this. Um, he did this. He did Day of the Dead. He, he's done a lot of movies. He has an insane uh, thing. And he's uh, he's a complicated person, but he's very good at his job and kind of pioneered a ton of techniques that basically are used. But the snake death was his fault. He did. He is the one who killed the snake. So, yeah, I do not like that. I do not like that they killed an actual snake. It's a big bummer. It uh, was his friend's pet. Uh huh. This is again why I suspect cocaine. Yeah. Um. <laughs> this movie, so the uh, the producer of this movie um, and the director thought that the name Friday the 13th, which is barely a thing in the movie. It's not like Friday the 13th is that important of a date. No. Other than it just being the day that they the thing happens. Um, they thought the name was so good that if they just put out a full page ad in like variety with like the name of the movie and be like coming soon, scary that people would go see it. And they were 100% correct. It has a famous full page ad in variety that they paid for. What was on the ad? I, it was, it's, I, I mean, I can probably dig it up and show it to you. It's not that cool. It's just Friday the 13th. It was such a good title that people were like, fuck yeah, I'll watch Friday the 13th. <laughs> Cause they were like, Halloween is based on a single day on Halloween. What's another day that's scary. Friday yeah. the 13th. And so, uh, it worked, and it, this movie made a shit ton of money, which is why they immediately started working on a sequel that came out the following year. Um, and basically, they do one a year for a while. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was funny that they were like, we're just going to do this big full-page ad to do some cheap marketing, and it totally uh Well, like, they off. didn't have a script yet or anything? Um, no, they did not have a script at the time that they... That, this movie started from the title, basically. Then I ask again, what was on that poster? Like, I don't know, maybe like the woods graphic with the flashlight showing through it that's on the movie cover. Oh, okay. I, I, but 
I could see it just being the big white, you know, like paint letters Friday the 13th, too, on like a black background. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adrian King uh, got a stalker as a result of this movie that became Aww. a big problem for her life. Uh, she did. She wanted a very short part in the second one if she was going to be brought back uh, because she did not have a great time on this or a great memory of this film because of that. Uh, don't stalk people. That's weird. Don't um, stalk. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a ton of random facts you can like you can look up about this movie the the two jeeps in this movie Steve's jeep and um uh Mrs Voorhees jeep are actually the same jeep just one one uh Mrs Voorhees has the top up and Steve normally did not yeah. um you Excellent. can you can so. see the weights of all the bowel movements every actor had they weighed they directors yeah, really they weighed all of them. weighed all of them <laughs> um. But yeah, there, this movie was in um in a right like Friday Thirteenth was having a big rights dispute between Victor Miller, the writer, and Sean Cunningham, the director, um, until very recently. I don't remember which way it shook out, but that's why there hasn't been a new movie for a long time. Uh, that was recently um, solved, and now there's a A twenty four is doing a TV show called like Camp Crystal Lake that I don't know. I don't know anything else about it, but. It's a weird choice for A24, but I'm curious how they do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the first Friday the 13th. Does anyone else have anything they want to add? Mm, nope. I feel like that covers it for me. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, then it is time to get to the science. And the first bit of science we're going to do is the patented scarometer. Uh Last, oh, sorry. If you're new to the show, the scareometer is a uh, tool we use to measure Anna and Torin's uh, descent into horror fandom. Uh, at zero percent, they would like to leave the show. At a hundred percent, I think we decided now they're going to prestige like this is Call of Duty and they've hit max level uh, and and start over again with a star next to their percentage or something. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, as of right now, Torin, you mm-hmm. were at eighty-seven percent. Yes. Where are you after Friday the Thirteenth? Um, I, I don't know if this movie bumped me up like four percent. It was fine. It wasn't. I wasn't like obsessed with it. I can see why it's important, but yeah. Okay. Uh, very succinct. Very quick, Anna. You were at ninety percent. Much yep. like Friday. The Where are you going to? <laughs> uh, I'm. I actually thought about this ahead of time. I'm going up three percent. Um, it's super watchable. Uh huh. Nothing amazing. <laughs> and that's. It is very watchable. It's, it's super- the Bill of yeah. horror movies. Bill. <laughs> Bill is a guy. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Cool. Ninety-one percent. Ninety-three percent. We're getting so close. Uh, we do another couple bits of science here, and the first one of those is that we rank every movie that we watch and keep an ongoing list, uh, which you can find on Letterboxd, uh, if you search for the podcast name, or also we have links to it in various places. Uh, our number one movie is Get Out, uh, by Jordan Peele, and our number... 56 movie the bottom is hellraiser revelations but i think it is only right that we start this movie by comparing it 
to a Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. I think it's. I think this is better than that. You think it is better than that? Yes. I mean, Torin. I think I like the premise of Nightmare on Elm Street more. Nightmare on Elm Street is more fun. I would one hundred percent agree. I think that a Nightmare on Elm Street at least like swings for the fences with the, with the idea. This movie is the idea was just something they came up with to justify the name of the movie. It's not particularly creative, <clears throat> uh, so I definitely agree with Torin. So it goes. It I has think to go down from there. later, like this, these movies could get good, but for right now it's pretty. Like I said, it feels like I've seen this movie before. So beneath that yeah. is it chapter two. Is this better or worse than it chapter two? Um, I think it's better because it tells a succinct story in ninety five minutes. That's a good point. I feel like on your scale, which is often rewatchability, I feel like you would much rather watch this than the three hour adult it. Yeah. But the adult, it still had kind of a better story. I don't know. Well, you pick. You tell me. Up or down. I just wish the adult, it weren't so long. Yeah. Yeah, this wins. It's just not as long. That's nice. It tucks right under A Nightmare on Elm Street and becomes our new number 30. The original Friday the 13th from 1980. Directed by Sean S. Cunningham, <clears throat> who came from softcore porn, which he directed alongside hey, his friend Wes Craven. What? Yeah, Wes Craven, also <laughs> a softcore porn director originally. Um, a lot of horror guys from this era get their start in porn. Um, all right, the next bit of science we do is the diarchy. Uh, which is our ranking of the heavy Dear hitters diarchy. from the movies, usually the killers. <laughs> Dear Diary. Uh, and we rank them. So uh, franchises are interesting because we won't get to rank a new person every movie because some of them, we got to see their full oeuvre. But this is the only movie for Mrs. Voorhees to be the, the heavy hitter. Are you sure? So we're going to rank her on the list. Yep, I am 100% sure. But her um, kill was so ambiguous. yeah those hands weren't even hers yeah um so uh where is she gonna go i mean the first thing that i think about is carlo's mother from deep red who's another kind of older woman murderer i feel like Um, she could take on carlo's mom she is like mrs voice is pretty resilient she took a couple fucking hits and she can also throw a full adult woman through a window yeah. <laughs> like um a dead weight human body just right through a window so she's very strong um all right and she holds bodies all kinds of places she probably squat you know 200 easy so does that mean she can take on luke the uh child murderer for better watch out yeah she makes her living killing people younger than her okay yeah we have uh, Jen Kyung Chul from I Saw the Devil above that. I don't think she makes it past Yeah, him. I think he kills her. Okay. I'll accept that. I think someone who is 
generally prepared for a fight. The only person that has more stamina than her. That's human. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So she enters the list at number 32. uh, The 32 best murder, 32nd best murderer on our list here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. Uh, That being said, that is pretty much the show. So next week, obviously, we're going to watch Friday the 13th Part 2 which was uh, released in 1981 and was directed by Steve Miter, um, who directs a lot of horror stuff. Uh, and I'm curious to see what you all think of that one. It is very similar in <laughs> how most of the movie unfolds. Uh, so it might feel like deja vu while you're watching <laughs> it. Uh, content warnings for gore, blood, sex, and nudity, though uh, the... Um, producers did ask for there to be less blood uh, and gore, so that it's less bloody than this one. Um, I didn't feel like this one was that bloody. Yeah, it wasn't particularly bloody. I didn't either, but 1980 was a different time. And we watched the unrated cut, too. So We did. We watched the bloodier <laughs> version. Um, yeah, if you'd like to tell us what uh, movies you think we should cover, you can do that uh, over on Twitter, uh, where we are at how the number two love the dark and we are also on instagram uh at how to love the dark but uh, no numbers all letters on that one yeah uh, i am on twitter as well at npc Aaron, and i am also on letterboxd as at guns gods ghosts where i do movie reviews and you will find uh, a link to our letterbox list as i said in the show notes for the episode so uh anna where can people find you you can find me on Twitter at Cellophobia and Letterboxd as on a rampage. That's on a with one N underscore rampage. Nice. And Torin? Yeah. Where can the fine folks find you? You can find me on Instagram at BracyTK. That's it. And uh, we want to give a special thanks to Dion Dusk for our intro outro music and our friend Susie who goes by S-U-Z-I underscore draws on Instagram. She did our podcast logo that we love so much. Uh, support their art. Mm-hmm. Um, we appreciate any five-star reviews uh, or thumbs up or whatever your podcast catcher lets you do to help us break through the algorithm because the algorithm hates horror content. Uh, and we got to get through that noise. But really the most important thing you can do to help us out is if you love the show, Tell a friend. Get somebody else to listen to this thing. If they like horror or movies or... Right. Right to know. someone in prison and tell them to listen to our podcast. Exactly. Yes. Let's make this the number Wait. one podcast for prisoners in America. And then use that it. leverage to abolish the prison system. Hell yeah, comrade. There we um, go. <laughs> all right. Uh, that be, We'll go out on that note. That's a fun note. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and uh, we hope you tune in next time to another episode of How to Love the Duck. Good night, fuckers. <laughs>